Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. So we have a very exciting guest today. Her name is Cecily Summers, and she is a futurist. And what's so exciting about that is we spend so much time talking to uh, strategists, technologists, um, content folks um, who are digging into a lot of the trends that are impacting our world. But rarely do we talk to somebody who sort of sits on top of all of it guiding um, a variety of different ecosystems with all these different trends. So uh, Cecily is an official futurist who wrote a book called Think Like a Futurist, and she's a speaker and consultant with about 15 years of experience um, really helping companies grow in this crazy world. So let's have a big tech cat welcome for Cecily Summers, ladies and gentlemen. All right. All right. So, um, Cecily, welcome to the Tech Cat Show. Um, I would love to hear, you know, kind of what your journey is. Like, how did you, did you wake up one day and say, I want to be a futurist? Or give us a sense of your background and how you, you came to, to where you are. Oh, I took a long and winding path to where I am today as a futurist. Uh, you know, Sally, there was no, nothing in, you know, our second grade class where they trotted out the policemen and nurses and doctors and lawyers that we might want to be someday. Uh, Futurist wasn't there. What was there, though, was ballerina. And that was where I started. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So my first career, in fact, was as a professional dancer. And uh, I started, um, you know, training when I was five. And I continued on through uh, into, you know, my first job out of high school was with the Omaha Ballet. And I um, went from there to the Illinois Dance Theater and then by that point was a contemporary dancer and moved to Chicago and danced there for a while. Um, Along that path, I also had to study anatomy and physiology when I um, did go back to school and got my Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Dance. And that was kind of an opening of a new world into science and uh, also the kind of mysteries and exciting places about where we come from and what does it mean uh, as we look at in the body. So I became an anatomy instructor, dance kinesiology I was teaching as I was continuing to dance and perform, and then later uh, chose to become a chiropractor. So oh God, I, that's so, so interesting, so, uh, so kind of far away from, from some of this, but at the same time, holistic so it kind of makes sense you know yeah it's really uh, been a wonderful set of backgrounds to build on you know the arts and I know that you and many of your tech cats are close mm-hmm. to the arts and what you do but that it really is that subjective experience of meaning of expression of you know putting together big ideas for others to join you in um, that's the essence of communication uh, so uh, the artistic experience really, I think, has shaped me very, very much. And I know that it's what I bring into my work now, as well as the big systems diagnostic um, 
you know, analysis of having been a doctor who studied Western medicine and Chinese medicine and homeopathy and the layers of systems and ways to think about what's going on and how do we find our way to some kind of solution, um, which ultimately led me to strategy. Uh, and that leap came from the teaching that I was doing across the transitions from dance to um, chiropractic and then ultimately, you know, doing seminars and workshops and teaching through all this time and uh, people wanting to know about my work in business because I had started a beautiful clinic, bought another clinic, integrated them, grew them, taught how to do it and um, took a leap in 1998, sold my clinic and moved into business consulting as a brand strategist. Take was it what was it hard to to let go of what you were doing? You know, that's a nice question. Um always, you know, there it's interesting because there's those transitions in our lives. There's always that piece where you're there's a sense of grief and loss. I uh, you know, for me as a dancer, I I lived into a dream and it came true. And then when you're in it for me anyway, was recognizing its limits. And so there's the next question that comes up, what now? And where do I find myself next? So it's those two pushes and pulls of, um, you know, leaving something of yourself in a former expression and moving on to whatever the next has to be. And for me, that's really been a motivation to evolve as I've moved from dancer to chiropractor and then ultimately to futurist. That's, that totally makes sense, uh, that that thinking of what comes next is a, sort of a natural process for, for a futurist. So now you're working with a lot of um, B2C and B2B clients, um, and maybe you could share with us some of the types of work that you're doing with them so that we understand how this concept of futurist plays out. Yeah, I have, you know, over time done very big things complicated issues like what's the future of energy for a utility company or the future of pet ownership for uh, animal feed company or finance or so forth but it's interesting the last couple of years one of the most common types of projects I'm doing is on leadership what's the future of leadership how is our world changing and how is it that we are going to make sense of what does an organization look like and what's the role of a leader are there leaders um, if so, then what do they need to, to really behave and, and guide um, and disseminate really well? So the future of leadership has really been where a lot of my work has um, been in the last couple of years. And so that's an interesting place to be. Now, how do people find out about you? You know, because you're working with all these fantastic brands, um, and uh, I don't know what you know which ones you want to if, if you want to mention some more of them. But they're all pretty well known large corporations. How do they find out about you? I don't always know. Um, I know that I'm on a list of you know one of um, top fifty uh, female futurists in, on, in the world, for instance, and I know that my uh, book and speaking have have brought people in that way. Um, but that's how they typically find out about me uh, or a referral. That's so cool. Um, and do you have any favorite, uh, not clients necessarily, but 
you know, I'm, I'm looking at your list. Um, you've done some stuff for Google, for the Mayo Clinic, for the United Health Group, you know, lots of different business categories. Is there a business category that is your favorite to, to get, uh, you know, to get to work with? You know, like an area that just really turns you on? Well, you know, working with Google has been just a joy, you know, that, but that has as much to do with the level of partnership that I've had there as anything. So often it's about the nature of the relationship that you get. Um, but I do enjoy technology. And in this case, this is the future of leadership that we've been working on and will continue. Um, but I, I enjoy sciences. I get that pretty well. And retail, retail and CPG, those are probably my favorites. Um, but I love learning about everything I get to go into. Uh, my work on energy really shaped a lot of my thinking as a futurist um, back in 2004. So, uh, yeah. So, so every, every, yeah, every category opens a door to another category. It's funny, I don't know why I was having this conversation this morning, but I was talking with a colleague about how the last couple of years have, you know, so many different business categories have been disrupted, like things as goofy as the mattress business is is just been blown up in the last two years, right? Like I just got my first mattress off the internet. It showed up in a box. I took it out. I cut the plastic and it just went, voop, right? And who would have ever thought you would ever buy a mattress a ma- that way, right? Right. right. And yeah. then, fe- you know, feminine hygiene. And obviously everyone talks about automotive with Uber and autonomous vehicles, but there are some other really just basic categories you know, that have completely changed. And so someone like you, are you coming into companies, guiding them to this change? Are they bringing you in when they're considering it? Or, you know, is it a a variety of steps in the path? I would say, for instance, I'll I'll use an example. So the Google example is the executive development group. They recognize that, you know, the future is changing rather rapidly. And in fact, they have a hand in that. And that if it's their responsibility to train and develop leaders um, for that future. They better have a point of view on it. Um, how, how they develop their training really has to be reflective of that. So, you know, they understood that they should probably work with a futurist to get a view of that landscape and ha- help guide them through that process. And the way that I structure a, a project such as that is to take a look at first what do we know about how society is changing and the forces that are moving us in the directions? And once we have a view of that landscape, then we can narrow it down and say, and what are the implications then for the world of work? How does, what does it mean as our productivity is being reorganized literally into reorganization of how we do business and produce and distribute? And it's only then that we can say, okay, so now, if that's so, where does leadership look like? What does it look like in that uh, domain and what might be needed by them? So we we kind of go in and model that, come up with some solutions and recommendations as to what that might be, and then begin to engineer and design it uh, with them for how they can make those changes. Well, that's that's fascinating because it's really the entire... Uh, everything that you learn is always relevant to whatever, you know, you go into, you know, which is really cool. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's it's a whole lot of fun. It's big work. I mean, there, there's absolutely no question about that. It is a big, big 
a heavy lift, but man, you get to go deep and see all of the connections and really um, bring it back to, and why does this matter? And what does it mean for us? And so what choices are we going to make? And what does that mean now about our strategy? What is that? Um, innovation? Uh, Cicely, Cicely, we have to take a, a break now because I get so entranced by what you're talking about. But we have been talking to Cicely Summers, who is the author, the author of Think Like a Futurist. And we're going to come back and talk more about some of the trends that are coming down the pike in the future. And, you know, what is keeping Cicely up at night, if anything does. <laughs> so we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hello, everybody, and we are back talking to Cecily, who is a futurist, and she's also been named a woman to watch by the Business Journal, and I, of course, botched her name like I do all the time with everyone, so it is not the Tech Cat Show, unless I say your name wrong, Um, and you were saying to me that that happens to you a lot? It is. It's an unfamiliar name, and, you know, even though... Cecily, C-E-C-I-L-Y, if you see it and if you take the time to, to sound it out, it's quite phonetic. But we don't usually do that in our, our life. Our brains are, are really calibrated to fill in uh, something. When we see something that's new for us, we immediately replace it with something we already know. So people will say, I'll say my name is Cecily, and I, I usually will get some kind of fearful look back and <laughs> at me. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not, I, mean, I know I'm going to botch it next time that I say it. And so I assure people that I understand that's the case. And when they come back, they'll often say, is it Cecily, Cecilia, uh, Celia, some variation of it? Or Cecily, is it like the country? And uh, no, it's Cecily. But what's so interesting about that is that when we think about, when we encounter new things, unfamiliar experiences, how quickly and what our brain is designed to do is to fill it in with something we already know. So we really don't process new information very well. And one of the, the things I know as a futurist that I have to consider when working with clients is how is it that we can make the new 
really feel real and relevant to what your world right now. Because it, it is, all of it's new. It's all very challenging and different. So we have to kind of make our way there through the senses. So really everything that, that you're dealing with as a, a futurist is, is really understanding, you know, how people think too, right? Because uh, human beings are what will be driving the future. Um, are, are there particular um, areas in our world that, that you are focusing on right now or, or trends that you think are the most interesting? Yeah, well, technology often leads a lot of change. And, uh, you know, what it does is it affects some of our basic functions of society, uh, namely communication and, and production, the, the economic piece of it. Um, so we know very well uh, what communication technologies have done for us from, you know, the from chiseling in the block to Gutenberg press to telegraphs to telephones to cell phones and instant messenger and Snapchat and the instantaneous types of communications that we have now, not to mention the layers of AI that come in. And, and shape it for us. But um, so communication technologies is something I always watch. And then uh, along that way, I will say it's AI, blockchain, uh, what's happening in genomics. Um, these are all within the realm of what are known as exponential technologies. They are taking off and doubling, tripling, quadrupling faster than we can even keep up with. Well, I love all of those topics that you that you just mentioned. Um, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit. Um, just start off with the with the blockchain because obviously Bitcoin is exploding right now, and that's only one piece of the blockchain. But do you have an opinion on what's going on with cryptocurrency right now? Well, cryptocurrency is just one of the first manifestations of what a blockchain can do. That's the the technology behind it, which is simply that my computer connects to your computer that connects to a lot of different server, kind of like a cloud um, environment. And that when we have a transaction, like in a cryptocurrency, that we can track it and we can track it and it's verifiable. Um, you can't hack it. And if you do, people are going to know. So it has a high degree of security to it. Um, the fact that the blockchain is decentralized, that it is really a, a um, a collection of computers around the world that are tracking these transactions means that we don't have to go in and out of a bank, for instance, to exchange money or to and from a state legislature to uh, do have our state IDs or maybe potentially even vote. But these are all things that can happen in a way that we consider online, um, that a lot of these governmental um, roles and services can really move into the blockchain uh, and I think that's going to be quite interesting and potentially very disruptive. Yeah and, and very um, exciting and so so perfect for millennials you know the transparency piece of it all that that's my favorite sort of you know tying it together kind of piece with what we're looking at with consumer behaviors what what about ai what what do you um is there any particular piece of that story that um that you think is really interesting is it something you're looking at from all business categories yes absolutely absolutely there is not anything in our life that does not touch it 
um, you know, most of us are already, it's, it reminds me of the old Palmolive commercial, you know, where they'd say, Madge would say to her client, you're so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I totally get that. I think yeah. the two of us just dated ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it is such a, a great um, example of, you know, without even knowing it, it's kind of infiltrating our lives in every way. It's, it's in our Waze apps, and it tells us what the traffic ahead is like. It's in the Google Home uh, apparatus that I have here when I say, hey, Google, you know, play a podcast for me, or what's my day like? or any of the ways that it anticipates needs uh, as you go, Siri, all of these these apps that we are using currently have AI embedded them. So yes, we're already soaking in it. There isn't a sector or um, that isn't affected by it. Uh, it is, is crawling around our lives and deepening uh, on a daily basis. Is there, um, you know, the, the there was a lot of talk about who was going to win the AI battle. Is it going to be Google or Apple or Microsoft? Um, do you think it'll come from one of the, those big giants? Or do you think that it will be more of these little startups who are really innovating and potentially get bought up by the big guys? Yes, yes, and yes. Um, and it's also it, not necessarily just in the U.S. You know, this is the thing. and We're in a, a networked economy um, increasingly. Uh, and that means that a lot of this activity is hard to own and it's hard to regulate. Uh, who owns AI, for instance? Um, you know, this is going to be one of the battles of the future. And it's one of the reasons also why... Um, while there are some people who say, I'm really quite concerned about where AI is taking us, that we should, we should stop it now or um, enforce some legislation, uh, it's, it's very hard to do because there's a question of who has the, the capability of uh, regulating it. Um, certainly in the U.S. we wouldn't do it because there's uh, markets to be had, and if, if we don't allow it to have free form, then... China moves ahead, and if China moves ahead, then India and, um, you know, Estonia and all the others move ahead, too. So it's a, it's a big, wild, wild west, um, you know, whoever gets there first, and it may be all at once and together. Um, so I don't know who really, I mean, everybody's working on it. You know, here in the U.S., Facebook is, Google is, Apple is, all the big tech titans certainly are as are um, startups, you know, in the labs doing extraordinary things. Huh. It's, uh, um, you know, there's not a day that goes by in my world where somebody isn't posting something about AI from their universe, you know what I mean? So somebody who's really looking at um, kids, kids uh, play, play for Kids posted an article about the impact that AI is going to have on education and then um, another colleague is using an AI engine to help them track down their consumer so that they can market better. You know, so there's there's sort of again not a business category that isn't going to be incredibly impacted by all of this. You know, it's uh, it is kind of scary, but at the same time, it's you know very awesome. <laughs> well, true, and that's kind of what the future looks like. It looks in- incredibly terrifying and exciting all at once. Um, and I suppose all change has felt that way for the most part. 
Um, I, I love all that. And then you, you also mentioned, I think it was, was it genomics, genomics, yeah. which, which has to do obviously with, with gene therapies, or at least is it the, um, on the medical side of curing things, or is it on making us better human beings? Yes, and yes again. <laughs> You're winning today. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> um, so, yes, I mean, many of the things that we can do when we can find them, certainly with CRISPR technology, for instance, we can find genes that are not being expressed in a healthful way. You can go in and edit that gene, and it's pretty darn fascinating that they can do that and potentially treat chronic diseases that we've been living with, like Parkinson's and diabetes and uh, other chronic diseases. At the same time, we are engineering life um, right from its very beginning uh, in new and um, potentially very terrifying ways. <laughs> it, it can be, that's, that's when all of this sort of comes together and it, and it feels like, you know, um, a William Gibson novel um, you know, or, or um, you know, Philip K. Dick, you know, where where all of these different trends come together, you know, AI, blockchain, and genomics, and um, we're we're sitting in a world of androids and <laughs> and like the new Blade Runner, where he was having a relationship with a hologram. You know what I mean? So is is there? Um, I know you said that people are looking at ways to to manage all of this, but is there some larger organization that is ultimately going to be responsible for that? Is it the government or is it going through the private sector that sort of jumps in and manages each of these categories? Well, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, and I, I do expect that there are going to be new forms of government that are emerging. Uh, you know, we can see all over the world that our current forms of government are not doing so well. And they're kind of, um, they're collapsing, eroding, changing, shifting, uh, you know, day by day, you know, today, for instance, is another day um, in which Alabama elections happened. And, um, you know, overnight, we were on the cliff's edge of not knowing which way it was going to go. Um, and that, you know, we see politics and government changing. But, you know, it's interesting, for instance, right now, uh, some governments are playing with blockchain, because uh, they really see that this is, by requirement, one of the ways that we begin to standardize um, identity services or contract law or voting even um, in new ways. And I know that uh, in Dubai, I believe that they have just started a global blockchain association, for instance. Um, and they're quite aggressively playing with uh, where a, excuse me, blockchain might be affecting things like, you know, digital health records, which, you know, was really necessary and people have been working on for some time. Um, they're cert certifying diamond trade. So how do you know where a diamond has really come from, track its mine and its practices, uh, uh, whether it's um, human trafficking or slave labor? Uh, they're wills and the transfer of property or um, international exchanges between currencies. The, the blockchain can carry all of this with tremendous efficiency and get rid of paper, potentially, uh, and therefore some of the bureaucracy and, and fraud, fraud that goes with it. All right, Tesla, we're going to take another break. Um, always hate to interrupt you because you're saying such interesting things, but we have been chatting with 
Um, Cicely Summers, I did it right that time, um, who is the author of Think Like a Futurist. And we've been digging into some of the big trends and what the real impact is going to be and um, and how cool it is to be a futurist. <laughs> so we're going to come back in a moment and talk more about, um, you know, how Cicely keeps up with everything and what's what are some of the things she's reading and writing um, to, to help communicate all the wonderful things that are coming down the pike. So we'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back with Cecily. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Cecily Summers. Um, a futurist who's been talking to us about some of the big trends bubbling up. Now, um, Cecily, where do you? What are you reading to keep up with this stuff? Are you someone who sets a, sets aside a part of the day and then you're just reading all day, or how does it work for you? Because um, obviously, when you're sitting at the center of all of this, uh, you you know, news and um, articles and things like that must be a big part of your world. Yeah, it is. So I subscribe to a pretty large number of newsletters and feeds. And then my work takes me into deep places um, quite a lot. So, um, you know, what? there are some studies for me where are kind of my, the first place I might look is MIT Technology Review um, is often at the cutting edge of what's happening in science and technology. And they do a great job of writing, and I appreciate that quite a lot. Um, I might be, if I'm looking at demographics, I might look at census data or Pew. Um, I'm often looking at, um, you know, what's happening in in the world of design um, and arts. So I love things like brain pickings on the weekend, if you're familiar with that newsletter by Maria Popova. Um, There's something called... The futurist.org, you know, has some good things. Um, so it depends on the domain I'm looking in. I typically will scan. That's the, the behavior is to scan across what's happening in resources. So what's happening in energy, climate change, uh, new technologies that are happening there. Um, technology across the exponential technologies that I had mentioned and, um, you know, tech review being one of those examples. Demographics, as I had mentioned, and World Economic Forum, um, the United Nations, there are some other big uh, organizations where if I'm looking at international 
pieces I might do there, blog posts. So it's a pretty wide diet and necessarily so. I'll look at patents sometimes to see what's coming out, what people are playing with, what the edges of their ideas. Um, so it's it's a pretty wide diet that I'm reading through. And um, my my research, my project work will typically uh, direct me to to those sources as well. That's so interesting. I would never have thought to look at patents, but of course, because I'm always looking at startups to see what the trends are, but patents is even further back, <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah, and developing world too is another place where I think great innovation comes from or the kind of on the ground shifts literally of what's happening in healthcare and how people are solving it or energy or uh, where some social movements are coming from. So I do like looking into um, developing world also. Now, what you, you wrote a book, Think Like a Futurist, Know What Changes, What Doesn't, and What's Next. Um, and I've always wondered about this, but when you write a book like that, you know, a book is a sort of finite thing, right? You, you write a book and it's done. Um, but as a futurist, things are always changing. So did that, you know, worry you at all in sort of writing a book? Or is your book sort of more living? Or how do you sort of, you know, wrestle with that idea? Well, the subtitle of the book is Know What Changes, What Doesn't, and What's Next. And so the structure of the book is largely focused on what doesn't change, um, that those are the things that we can hold on to um, to make sense of our world. So there are four structural forces, and I talk about this in the uh, book, that are consistent and universal over time. And I just named some of them, resources, technology, demographics, and governance are kind of the four elemental forces of any and every society. Wow, okay. So I outline that, and that is a model that works for all time. Um, and the other thing that doesn't change, so the way change comes to pass, the way it evolves are rooted in those four forces, and that doesn't change. And the other thing that doesn't is really our, our needs, our human needs. Uh, so the things that drive any market, which are needs for belonging, power, status, um, revenge, you know, kind of the emotional uh, content of meaning and identity, those are the things that are also constant. So as change and trends and new technologies come to the fore, all we're doing is using new tools to satisfy the same needs. So we can look to the forces to see where they're coming from and likely to go to with those new tools and capacities. And then we can look to human nature to say, well, if the world, if the future is going to feel and look like that, what does that mean for us? Or what does it mean for this organization or brand? What territory do we want to own? Given that we understand that people are still going to be people um, seeking to satisfy some of the same needs in new ways through new platforms of delivery and production. But, so the book really outlines that. What doesn't change, um, and if you understand the four forces, you can take a look at what does change and why, and then bring them together so that you can figure out for yourselves what's meaningful about what comes next. What are you going to choose to move forward? So there's a real um, strategy to thinking like a futurist. So it's not this fuzzy thing out there, but there's actually ways to land the plane. It's quite methodical. 
you know, in the process. You know, there's a lot of scanning, but you have to focus on the question you want to ask. As I demonstrated earlier about, you know, what's the future of leadership? That's a huge question. And you have to, you know, parse it out so that you can finally get to, uh, you know, the t- scope your research so that you can get to the implications. And in this case, we scope the research for, you know, what's changing in the world as the first tier of research, then implications for the world of work, um, because that's the industry that we were looking at and in particular for tech. And then finally, application. Now we can ask, what does that look like for leaders? Who is a leader in this new world? What are they going to need to answer the, the call of leaders in that that shape so yeah it's a very methodical way to break it down um, develop scenarios that we can test in, in workshops um, the research always includes not just literature scans but also interviews so that you're getting um, out on the edges of what's happening as well as really understanding what people care about and why so it's a pretty robust process I love it. Um, it, it I, I just never broke it down like that. You know, I, I, um, I love that you've given it, you know, to your point, uh, um, um, you know, a way to move through this that is not so fuzzy. Have you found at this point in sort of our uh, business culture, um, when you are working with the C-suite and these, you know, Fortune 500 companies, are you meeting resistance to to some of the issues that you bring up or just because of the current culture, are people just more open to to hearing about what's coming? I think people are anxious about what's coming, and so they're curious, but they're not necessarily open. Um, And that's not a sign of the times. That's the nature of humans, I mean, for all of us. Uh, Change is hugely uncomfortable. Um, So resistance is pretty natural to us. It's very natural and organic to um, the business system, which rewards what's known, not what's new. So the idea that, you know, when people say they want breakthrough innovation or something that's really going to disrupt or that they're going to be the only, they like that in concept and can get excited until it's time to actually make a commitment. And the resistance comes up pretty fiercely. Um, because the only thing that they can do is try to take, you know, the system likes known, they're asking for new, and the way that they'll do it is they'll try to make a new, they'll try to pull it back into something they already know, which means that it's no longer new. Um, And so the tolerance for new is actually quite low, even though the appetite might be high. And that's an interesting um, place that I really like to play in, is how do we design change to do it to what I refer to as too tolerance, too tolerance of the system, too tolerance of our capacity to, to live in a kind of ambiguous state or to not have guarantees or, or um, be faced with uncertainty, which is what the future is. It's uncertain. Our world is very, very uncertain. Um, so all of that comes up when we're talking about the future. All of that comes up when we're talking about innovation. Um, but if we want to be truthful about what it takes, we have to be able to wade into that thoughtfully, carefully, with a lot of support and hand-holding, um, which is deserved. There's no shame in that at all. It's really what it requires to, if you're going to bring something new into the world, it really does re- require a lot of care. Um, wow. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it, it, I, I bet you there's never a time when you're not thinking about this, even when you're just regular, 
you know, Cecily, moving around in your business, you're not working, you're shopping or you're doing something. Are you always looking at, oh, that's a trend or that's interesting or, you know, because it can't ever leave you, right? Well, that's right. It becomes a way of seeing and processing information in the world. So, it you know, it's helpful because I'm I'm always interested as, you know, what's the signal about what's happening rather than trying to force it into an answer and whether it's wrong or right that, that you know, um, there's a lot of crisis in our, our world. Is this the, the best way for the future to go or not? And I just take it all as signals of change. Um, and change, especially now, and increasingly in the future, is of a turbulent nature. Where we are going to be experiencing more and more volatility, and there will be this kind of polarity and vol- um, turbulence that, you know, is our world is rife with it. But that has a lot to do with the speed of change and that that speed is overwhelming our ability to make sense of it. It's overwhelming our current systems, which is why we're having such political upheaval and governmental upheaval. Um, It's really going fast. And so part of the challenge then asks us to open our minds rather than close them Mm. and to have, again, a methodical approach for uh, managing new inputs on an ongoing basis uh, because that's where we're going to begin to have dynamic thinking, where we're going to begin to see new opportunity, where we are going to be open, not closed, and resistant to the change because we see it coming ourselves and we find a way to latch on to it. But that's very hard. It's very, very hard, and it's a natural resistance when when things are different to actually want to push, pull it back to something um, that we used to do. But the world and change is not allowing us to, to go back. We, there's no going getting back to any longer. There's only going forward. Right, right. We can't, uh, we can't go back to having not pulled the curtain. Um, you know, I always say that to, to people like there's, there's no going back once we, we, what is it, the blue pill or the red pill that you take? <laughs> you know, they ask Keanu Reeves, what do you Yes, do? yes taken the pill already but you know I always opt for it um, we're gonna have to take a break in a moment but just a, qu- a quick question for you is there um, is there any sci sci fiction science fiction um, sci-fi that you watch that you know is, is almost part of your homework you know I'm, any movies any TV shows anything that you have found to be sort of stimulating in that sense no is the answer <laughs> <laughs> I'm starving for good sci-fi, so I'm re- I'm I'm rebinging Fringe right now because I'm just so desperate. But you know, you look at like the parallels with you know what Star Trek sort of laid out for us, and uh, you know what what's actually happening, and it is kind of interesting. But I would think for you, do you read um, a lot of the science fiction, the famous science fiction guys' books? And, and I, dig- I, I don't. I am actually much more of a classics person in that way. Sci-fi is a great place to look, but it's not been a steady part of my diet. Um, I do notice, you know, you can't watch Westworld or Avatar or often the CSI shows or any of these things that are just kind of common content for us and not see a lot of the future already projected into it. Yeah, and some of the some of the uh, creepier creepier things too, because some of this is very demographic based. You know, like uh, I, I'd say, you know, Gen X and millennials and even some boomers are really okay about a lot of this, but the older boomers and the traditionalists really have a hard time 
with wrapping their head around some of the things that are happening. And, and it's not because they're Luddites. It's just because culturally their whole life has had an understanding of one way. And so it's just so hard to, to make that turn back or forward or whatever it is, right? Yeah, I think that, I mean, some of that is generational for, for every age. But I would also say there is a, a kind of a darkness in a lot of content today. You know, things are very apocalyptic. Yeah, 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 you're right. Negative negative utopias left and right. (laughs) Yeah, 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 the dystopias or else they're, you know, saccharine and sweet. Um, So finding that middle ground is what I'm attracted to most of the time. Yeah, there's a lot of of, um, dark pictures for sure. Yeah, and I think also that's, it's sensational. So it, it attracts audience, right? Like positive things don't make you stop and look, but really negative things, scary things you know, tend to get more audience, right? Yeah, yeah. And you can see things uh, where there's a lot of bang, bang, shoot them up, even if it's uh, fancy. So I'm thinking of Westworld again, where that kind of in-game experience, in-world experience is effectively, you know, uh, know, like being inside a a video game. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. With layers of AI and all that. So so creepy um, to a certain extent. Um, I remember watching the last season of the new Battlestar Galactica, which had to do so much with the nature of existence. And I always had to have a drink after I watched it because it was so, you know, creepy and intense. (laughs) And I started looking at people like, are you, you know, a cyborg of some kind? (laughs) Well, Um, and maybe. Yeah, people (laughs) certainly behave that way. That's true. All right, well, we're going to take a break um, and come back and talk a little bit more about what you have coming down the pike. And again, we've been talking to Cecily Summers. I did it right. Yay. Uh, Who is also um, on um, Public Radio's All Things Considered and has written a book, Think Like a Futurist, um, and is doing all sorts of interesting things with a number of Fortune 500s, helping to guide them in, in a very systematic way. So we'll be back in a moment. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back with Cecily Summers, who is a futurist, one of the world's top female futurists, and a Fast 50 reader's favorite by Fast Company. Uh, so many wonderful um, accolades. So we have a few minutes left. Um, I, you know, I would love to hear where we can find you, because reading people like you is, is a favorite thing for me to do, um, because it allows me to, to keep up with what's going on. So where, where are you posting? How can people keep up with, with your uh, insights? But you'll find me by following my name uh, on most platforms. Cecily Summers is where you'll find me on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and so forth. Um, you know, some of the longer reads uh, come infrequently, but they'll be on LinkedIn in particular is where I'll post new website underway, which will be out this uh, spring. And then otherwise, I, I speak in various places uh, through podcasts and interviews, but also on stage. Um, I'm doing something for, most of these are corporate um, internally, uh, something for L'Oreal in February on future of beauty and, and retail, and uh, in Hamburg for uh, the BBDO uh, network uh, in, later in, in May. Uh, and then, you know, continuing to work on um, some new content for me, which is around what I call breaking our addiction to certainty. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That would be great to teach children, you know. Uh, <laughs> that That's awesome. So is there any product or anything that you've worked on that's launching that you can share with us? Like any, um, you know, anything you worked with a client on? Uh, any any project work that I can talk about? Yeah, anything that's coming out. Well, not not that I am at liberty to say. I mean, I know I'm going to be doing some work around um, VR for a big firm and um, kind of AI and leadership and some other. Those are kind of the general areas of inquiry and the types of projects um, that are coming up for me in this next year. So of all the things that we talked about, just, you know, to wrap up the show, is there one trend in particular that you are the most excited about, that you think the most about, that turns you on the most? No, there's, <laughs> no, I really, that's, that's true because there isn't any, trends never happen in isolation like that. Um, although, okay, so I'll take that back. I think that the thing I'm most excited about is the Me Too moment that we're in. Um, right, right, right. This tipping point has been huge 
you know, way, way, way overdue. And, um, you know, we'll see what happens. There's almost always a backlash. But it is we've crossed a threshold that I think is extraordinary. Uh, I'm grateful. I'm excited about that. And I'm very interested to see about where this conversation goes. Uh, It has deep implications for power, for masculinity, for women, for gender overall. There's a number of things that that, um, it impacts. And I bet you that will be something that you will be guiding a lot of large corporations through as they try to reinterpret their brands through through these new new lenses. Um, I have so many male colleagues coming up to me and saying, you know, saying, I don't know if I'm allowed to hug you anymore, you know, mm-hmm. which is so interesting. Everyone's really trying to refine their footing, which which isn't a bad thing, right? No, it's not. No, it's a really important uh, exercise, I think. And do you, do you think, uh, just as a final question, is there um, a big demand for futurists right now? Uh, yes, increasingly. I think this anxiety about the future is pretty prevalent. I also think that foresight, which is the discipline, is being applied in more and more disciplines um, or, or sectors, I should say. So people talk about media futurists or retail futurists or things like that. Sometimes it's a title that people just give themselves. Uh, but there really is a practice and a discipline called foresight. Um, and uh, it is increasing. There are more schools teaching it, master's programs, PhD programs. Yeah, and that, that has an academic validity to it that gives the, you know, the sort of fuzzier title of futurist um, more weight. Um, for for those people that, you know, um, are just saying it, you know, because um, I do have a lot of colleagues that call themselves that, but they, they don't have the rigor that you have discussed today, which, which has been my biggest learning, is that you can operationalize being a futurist. You almost have to um, if you're going to really help a company through all of this. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yay. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Well, we have been talking to Cecily Summers, and that's C E C I L Y, not the way I've been pronouncing it. And <laughs> she's she's everywhere on social media, really helping to take companies through the future. Check out her book, Think Like a Futurist: Know What Changes, What Doesn't, and What's Next. And hopefully, you'll be hearing her on NPR as well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Tech Cat Show. What a pleasure to be with you. Thanks, Laurie. Is there a tech cat in the future, you think? Will the tech cat be in the future? Maybe, right? (laughs) (laughs) Undoubtedly. Probably a clone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody. Next week, we'll be talking to someone else really fabulous as we gear up for the Consumer Electronics Show, which is happening the second week of January 2018 in Las Vegas, one of the biggest shows um, globally um, showcasing the latest consumer technologies and we will be there leading tours under the banner story tech and learning about the latest consumer platforms so we'll see you next week and check out cecily summers thanks ladies and gentlemen Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the...